0: Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 19 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Change. Change is as as inevitable as the slow march of time. Sometimes change can be a bad thing, but in this case, change is actually an excellent thing. Angela and I are proud to announce that we have a brand new website, doubledensity.net. It's your one-stop shop for all things podcast related. It's where our podcast will be housed. And we're also proud to announce that we're going to be regularly posting uh, blogs related to the show. So actually we have already written a couple. So if you want to head over to doubledensity.net, you can now click on the blog link at the top, right to see more. So yeah, DoubleDensity.net is now in existence. We made it from socials and SoundCloud to some real internet real estate. So big shout outs to uh, Fireslot.fm, which is our podcast provider. So Angela, how do you feel?
1: I'm really happy about it because now we have an easy place to send people when we want to send them to our show notes. I kind of always found it a bit messy with uh, how it worked. Our, you know, we'd have our show notes in SoundCloud, then they'd kind of get pushed out to uh, Overcast and itunes or apple podcasts at this point and it's kind of the formatting would be weird we'd have to go into bitly and make our own little link and i think this way um the thing i'm I'm really excited about being the one that works on the show notes is that that part will be nice and clean and uh, it'll look like actual links you're clicking on instead of the weird bitly things we've been using although nobody's complained so i, I guess it's not a major problem and um that's the thing with SoundCloud. We've been talking about this for weeks now, how we're kind of worried about SoundCloud's future, it being uncertain, and how services kind of just disappear, sort of what happened with Crash Plan this past week, where they've decided that in October, uh, well, they're no longer taking any more customers for the home plan, and in October of 2018, it's going to be gone uh, forever. From the so internet. a year and two months from now. Exactly, and CrashPlan is actually a service I used to use until I kind of changed my whole backup strategy, which we discussed in episode three, I think. But in episode this, four, actually. Was it four? I look at you knowing yeah. the episodes.
0: <laughs> episode four, the Batman of backups. How could I forget that? I remember the title, but I didn't remember. I thought it was episode three, but yeah. So well, quick side note, right? So all of our older episodes you can find on DoubleDensity.net too, right? everything's there that's
1: the thing i want to really like you gave a shout out to fireside but it's really amazing how easy they make it for you to switch to their service from any podcast provider you you, like we were using soundcloud they have a link and they tell you exactly what to do you it was basically me pressing a button i had one issue with one episode not downloading but then i just pressed another button and it downloaded it and all the tags came over everything uh came over and well no the tags did not come over Oh, the tags on the MP3s itself, I guess. Gabriel. Yes, but yes yeah. you're right. The tags, you had to add those manually later on. Which I did not mind. It was fun. And so that was something that came up this week is when you were mentioning tags, I was like, tags, what do you mean? You have to tag the MP3. So I had no idea what you were doing when you were producing these episodes. I was just uh, merrily, happily, and just putting together the little show notes that I do. And I talk into this little black
0: microphone and my voice magically appears on the internet but there's lots of work that goes on, right, Brian? Right. I mean, well, tags are just an easy way to sort of um, categorize things. So for example, last week it was all about nostalgia. So, you know, things like tagging video games, super Nintendo, the games that we talked about. So that way, if anyone wants to search through they can very easily, Um, you know, if anyone's just super interested in hearing, uh, talk about our alien cinema, um, chronicles, there's two episodes, right? So if they click on alien cinema within the episode, it shows the two episodes that got tagged that way. That's pretty neat.
1: I like that. We can uh, do that now. And, uh, there's nothing uh, I'm more excited about than just being able to say, you know what, the show notes are on doubledensity.net uh, and we can even link to the episode that we want people to go to. So I'm pretty excited about tags. And it's it's kind of funny because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend and he listens to our podcast as he tags uh, videos that he's formatting for a website he works for. And I asked him if he wanted to come on to be interviewed, but he said uh, that he signed an NDA with the company he works for and he can't really discuss what he does. So. Uh, I'll let him listen to this episode. Uh, shout out to him. And while he's working on his wonderful videos that he tags as he listens to the Double
0: Density podcast. So let's talk about fireside.fm for a second. So y- this is a website that you specifically... Um, uh, it's like a dream of yours almost, I feel <laughs> like. Uh, because like the whole process felt like you were subtly suggesting it then sort of incessantly suggesting it.
1: Well, it seemed like... Made for podcasters, and it's because it's made by Dan Benjamin, who's a a podcaster. He's he's the owner of the Five by Five Network, and uh, he's talked about it in a few podcasts. But he doesn't really push it on his shows too much. He doesn't really mention it at all, actually, except for when he was working on it. Um, but uh, Alexandre from uh, from the RGBA podcast also kind of uh, recommended it to us via Twitter, and he was totally right. It's amazing. It's it's just so much easier. Obviously, we pay for it, but I think. The cost of of what you're getting with Fireside is actually less than what we'd be paying if we were hosting a website somewhere, as well as paying for a podcast host that essentially gives us
0: unlimited bandwidth. I mean, I don't have the math in front of me. You're you're more so the math man, but I, I definitely concur that like um, we bought the domain name DoubleDensity.net. And we're we're redirecting it to our Fireside.fm um, web. Uh, uh, presence I guess would be the best word right so it's <laughs> yeah. actually the best of both worlds for us so i think it works out well though
1: yeah and the the fi- the um, the doubledensity.net uh, domain cost pretty much nothing cuz .net domains are not expensive i was kind of other toll- ones that we were looking at that were way more expensive well so the .com one is $5000 because somebody owns it and nobody's ever going to buy that and the other one is the .fm one that a lot of podcasts use but right now i didn't really want to be paying like almost $100 for um, a .fm domain. And I, you know what? The .net one works well because we do deal with nostalgia a lot and .net's one of the uh, OG
0: web domains. So, I was hoping for a .org, but whatever, I'll, I'll live with this. Right, uh, it's funny because right. in my notes, I put down that you you were acting because I, unfortunately, like I was busy with a lot of other things, but you were the biggest supporter of this move. And I put down in my notes that you were the uh, incessant internet puppy of the entire process.
1: I, yes i think i kind of compared myself <laughs> to a puppy a few times and i was worried you'd kind of like you know what this project's over
0: leave me alone i don't no, not to at all it's again. just i was trying to balance that plus you know my real world commitments right but it was, it was nice that we actually have that launched and so i don't know like if you told like 12 year old brian that he'd have his own like top level domain with like where he gets to talk every week and he puts it on the internet i think his mind would be a little blown
1: yeah talking about video games and technology and aliens
0: and right like all pretty, pretty much parallel. the trifecta of all things cool
1: yeah. And so you you kind of alluded to things that were going on in your life. And so this is actually the third time we're attempting to record this episode <laughs> over the course of almost a week. Luckily, we had uh, episode
0: 18 uh, ready. And I hope everyone enjoyed that fun little episode. Well, it's funny because I was mentioning it to Angelo that, uh, you know, episode 18 is actually uh, technically like I think like uh, wedged in between episode like four and five or three and four. We had recorded a bonus episode in case anything had come up. And with the launch of this website in uh, the original you know, version of um, uh, episode 18 slash episode 4.5, uh, we didn't mention the, the website at all. So I felt like it was important that we push that out um, in order to sort of like be able to from now on, whenever we talk on the podcast, talk about the website itself. And then I had also noticed that you and I actually uh, sound way better now than we did back then. I really think so. Yeah,
1: it's 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 crazy what about uh, another thirteen or fourteen episodes do with our setup and how we talk to each other. I mean, our chemistry's always been there because you know we've known each other for years. But it's weird just now talking and not seeing you and. The thing with Brian and I, we've, we've worked together for a long time. We've seen each other in person many times. But I think most of our conversations have, have happened via like instant messaging. Oh, I'd say like 95% at least, yeah. So the talking to each other
0: is actually a pretty novel idea to us. Well, the funny thing is, yeah, like I was talking to you last week, last Tuesday. And um, as you were saying before, this is the third time because what had happened is last week, I uh, lost power for a day and a half. Or no, sorry, like 15 hours, right? But technically it was like a weird 15 hours where it was like most of my day um, due to like a mini tornado touching down nearby here in Montreal. And so I had lost that. And then we had tried uh, last week and unfortunately um, the ramifications of it meant that uh, my internet was sort of up and down as they were doing repairs in the area. So we had decided to go for it last Thursday night. And then (laughs) of course I had lost the internet three times I think in an hour right before recording. So I called it off. That was a smart move because us uh,
1: we, we tried even talking to each other about what we'd, how we'd set up the website and what we'd do in this episode when we finally got a chance to record it, and then we, we you dropped out in that a few times, so we had to actually
0: <laughs> talk to each other over like the regular like cell phone line like right. and in, I think in your, the funny thing is in the sixteenth episode the one that we did live at your place, you're talking about how you almost never use your phone um, no, to make phone no, calls. Yeah, we actually talked to each other for a good fifteen minutes that night over regular cell
1: phone um, and then yesterday was the actual plan to record. So, you know, we'll record uh, Monday night. So th- uh, last night was Monday night.
0: And what happened yesterday, Brian? Well, you know, I had to, I mean, it's a whole menagerie of issues, but I had to call a plumber. There was like plumbing issues and then they were here for a while and I didn't really feel calm or like in the headspace that I wanted to be able to, to record an episode of the podcast when I was dealing with all these other things. So I decided, Hey, let's just, let's do Tuesday night. Tuesday night is still early in the week, right? So we can nail this together and, you know, have a good time. And I think so far we're doing pretty good. So suffice to say, we're finally recording episode 19, which was initially supposed to be episode
1: 18. We're launching a website tonight uh well tonight when you when you're
0: listening to this the website has been launched well i mean it's been launched for a minute we just haven't advertised it really right so this is the official coming out party for the website yeah it's been sort of
1: stealth launched i've been actually it's it's been my link on my uh on a few of my forum uh, actual signatures so people if they take the time to click on it they'd go there i posted a few things on reddit about uh you'll find there's a podcast workflow uh Blog post that I posted to on uh, Reddit seems to got the, some decent traction on one of the podcasting uh, Reddit's subreddits, and uh, that's about it. Right, we really haven't been telling too many people though, and people seem to like it. I'm I'm pretty happy with it. It's a nice, clean interface. You can easily subscribe to us
0: with the different tags we have there, so looks good. I think it also looks good. Yeah, and if you want to find out what we look like, you can just hit up the host header. And it's funny because we we have similar images almost. Yeah, well,
1: one is of you. That's the one. The image we posted on Instagram once, where you're standing in front of the Betty and Barney Hill Memorial, and the video, the picture of me is just one of
0: cropped into my face because there's like no pictures of myself. Well, the weird thing is, if it's cropped in, but if you look at the top of your head, it looks like a rod. Like I, yeah, there's I a rod. Fixating on the rod. <laughs> and by rod, we we mean you know what we mean. It's uh, it's so special flag or fly around.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't actually, I'd have to look up
0: and see what the actual image is, but I don't well, think it's a real rod. Sounds like you've got some podcast homework to get to. They're elusive. So yeah, I lost power for 15 hours last week and it was just, it was infuriating. It was maddening. I, uh It's really weird. Like I live in an urban setting, so you don't really think it's going to happen for that long. And it was specifically like my part of the the block that I live on because below us and above us, they had power. It's just the sliver of the grid that we're on is actually connected to Um, the troubled area that was a uh, few blocks away so you know I was like standing on the back balcony in order to like feel a breeze because the apartment doesn't have an air current going through it I spent a lot of time and I think you you will definitely understand this one I spent a lot of time worrying about the contents of my fridge I was also only using my phone for emergency purposes and keeping it on airplane mode as much as possible because I didn't know when the power would come back and in theory I could have walked like a block to go to a cafe and plug the phone in but you know at 3am the cafe's not open right so I couldn't really do that either no, and and it's hard to sleep too when you're kind of worried about the power coming back I know the feeling we've lost
1: power a few times here the thing with where I live is uh, s- about 20 years ago when we had a horrible ice storm people in this area lost power for three weeks and since then um, the, the electricity here has been much better they've built built up a stronger uh, inf- infrastructure so knock on wood we don't lose power too often oh there goes the power
0: Please hold Jolo's joke plays out. Have your Have your kids asked you about the, the ice storm from 1998? Like, Daddy, tell us about that time that you uh, you had to beat another man for food. Well, be more mommy, because she lived here.
1: No, I lost power for two days. Like, the worst case thing we had is, like, no cable for a few days. But, no, my wife lost power. Well, her family. Like, she lived, actually, not too far from where you live now. Uh, and she had actual power at that time. So... Her entire family was living in a, like, one-and-a-half apartment that she was uh, subletting from some friends. But
0: I think we've been rambling on about ourselves more than we normally do uh, this but, episode. You know what? So, this, is, this is a very conca- like a congratulatory episode. I think we're allowed our, like, ten minutes of, like, good job.
1: But suffice to say, we're really happy with Fireside. Uh, thanks to Alexandre for really, like, uh, pushing it on us. <laughs> well, pushing it on us. He was really... He was a very... Uh, adamant saying that it's it's a really good service and worth worth
0: the money i mean alexan was was just um uh suggesting uh with certainty that we'd like it and then you were the one who was pushing it on to me
1: well it's it's more that the fact that soundcloud is just in the dumps and it's you have to admit it's nice to be able to tell now to people it's like well you want to find the show just go to double our facebook page is there our twitter feed is there our, our myspace is Insta- there our MySpace, our Friendster, Instagram, Orkut, everything's there. Boom. So,
0: you, <laughs> you know what? I think this is a perfect uh, um, lead into our socials. So if you want to hit us up, you can find us on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. And the same thing on Instagram, double density podcast. Figure, you know, the website is there and it has those socials, but I figured like, why not slip it in? You know, just very, very quietly. Let's just, you know, keep pushing the socials. Well you've practiced
1: in front of the mirror saying them so many times that
0: you, you can't let that go. It's yeah, I get up in the morning, I eat my breakfast and then I spend 5 minutes listing off my socials in case I run into anyone on in the street that I need to yell them to and then I run away, you know? Like it's it's that simple.
1: So that's it. We, uh, if you want to learn also more about our podcast workflow, I highly urge you to go check our, our blog posts. And Brian posted a really great blog post that has uh, more to do with uh, paranormal. So maybe we'll talk about it in our second
0: segment uh, with paranormal stuff. But uh, that's a little hint. Stick around. Double density. We're back here on Double Density. And uh, you and I are both iPhone users, right? Like I, I, I'm pretty sure that you are using an Apple product. Am I correct? What do you think? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, all that to say that um, Google announced a new Android update, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, they called it Oreo, and they announced it during the eclipse. How dare Google Nabisco to co-opt the name Oreo? I mean, yeah, KitKat, whatever, but Oreo, I feel, is like a more sacred uh, property. Uh, and, and to tie that into an OS update kind of angers me in, in a weird way.
1: It's, it's funny because this whole Oreo thing has uh, has prompted uh, John Gruber of Daring Fireball to tell everyone that Numenos are much better than Oreos. And there's this whole thing going on, and now people keep tweeting at him uh, pictures of Numeno boxes and uh, saying, you're right, they're much better than Oreos. I've never tasted them. I don't even think they're available here in Canada.
0: I've never seen but, one. Um,
1: yeah. But yeah, so Android updated, and everyone who has a uh, Google Nexus, I think, up. To down down to the Nexus 6 or or so, and the Pixels and all those, you'll get an update. Uh, it was released, I think, on September. No, sorry. It was released when? Uh, it's not even September yet. It was released on August 21st. Yep. So I think everybody was able to get those who has an Android, uh, just pure Android phone. But Everyone else is going to have to wait a while, including people who are going to buy the Samsung Note 8, and that's just that's releasing on September 15th, but not with the new S, which I, to me, that just blows my mind. But Android people don't really seem to worry too much about that, I guess. Uh, well, I feel like I don't it's like
0: it. a, a supply chain issue, right? I feel like they've had these phones ready for a little while. So I think like it would, in order to like reopen all the packaging just to do the OS update seems counterproductive when they could just have the end user do it. Oh, yeah, but the
1: end user can't even do it on September 15th. No, but I meant is like eventually, right? Like eventually, yes. That's the problem. It's like six months from now, but most people don't seem to care. Are they just because they have their Samsung Samsung skin on
0: there and they seem happy with TouchWiz and all that. So, I mean, the good news too about this one is that you know it's about streamlining processes, right? So it's about saving battery power, um, figuring out a way to optimize uh, background app works and things like that. So I think on that end, like it's it's a good move. And you have a lot more experience with Android than I do. You had previously a couple of Android. Phones. Yeah, I had an A5 and a Nexus and how how was it i enjoyed it um though towards the end of the life of each of them i found that i had programs crash due to background tasks regularly which i thought was weird programs look at you old man they're called apps oh sorry <laughs> i didn't realize that i was doing a uh, podcast with the app police here but that's okay yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I noticed that towards the, the end of my phone's life cycles, I was having a lot of problems functionally, unfortunately, which really sucked. So I'd have to like uninstall, reinstall programs in a regular clip. That would drive me bonkers. It did. Honestly, like it wasn't an ideal um, situation to be in, especially like I was using a podcasting app and, you know, would crap out on me regularly. So that was kind of a bummer. So yeah, I use the best podcasting app. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, I've never dealt with that.
1: Speaking of the best, yes. though, I
0: feel like you feel like you are the best person, um, ever, because you were watching someone on a train use a cheap laptop and you judged them. So no, they weren't using a cheap laptop in his defense.
1: He was using an iPhone 6S, I believe. But he was using that iPhone 6S to look up crummy laptops, and he's he's looking at the 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 specs for these sub-$500 laptops, and I felt like tapping him on the shoulder and I said, save your money, buddy, you're just gonna that's just a recipe for disaster and frustration. Um, like, I you know what? Get a Windows laptop, they're great, but save up your money and get something a little better than the garbage he was looking at. It was, uh, I can't, I just feel bad for people that don't really worry about that stuff. But then I'm sure people feel bad for me when I really don't care what kind of tires I buy for my car. So there's there's people judging everyone at this point, I guess.
0: I just love how you're up there judging on your ivory money-making throne. Like you don't know this person's setup. You don't know their situation. They may need a laptop for like school or something ASAP. And they need, you know, so uh, they may need to spend that money. I see this guy every day on the train, and he's very well dressed, and he looks like he has
1: money, and uh, I'm sure he can afford something better. But I don't think he really cares, and that's totally fine. It I know the problem is with me. I am the problem here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Angelo, the king of assumptions, knows that he's the problem. I I I do, and I that's why I I didn't tap him on the shoulder and give him some advice on what to buy. But look, he has a good phone. He's going to be he's happy with his iPhone. I see him on his phone all the time. He's very excited to use his amazing phone. I think you'd be very disappointed by a sub $500 Windows laptop.
0: One of my favorite things is like uh, Angelo prior to episode one uh, had a conversation with me where he was worried about, you know, offending anyone ever, ever. Now in episode 19, he is like pointing the damning finger and like sh- like shaking it and wagging it, you know. And I-, I find the-, the transformation really interesting. The best would be that this guy that listens to this podcast sees our picture, my
1: picture on the new website, doubledensity.net, and then looks at me He's is like, were you talking about me? Because I was looking at some $500 laptop. Oh, I day.
0: really hope that you get into a fight on the train. I re- that would be the best. That would be the best from podcast to IRL. Like, oh, I would be so thrilled. Would you? How would you like deal with that if the guy did approach you? So first of all, he seems like a nice person, so I don't think he would like punch me or anything. Oh, another assumption. Okay. I guess, but
1: I would say, ah, it's all for the lulls.
0: <laughs> oh, so clearly you've used the internet within the last three years. Yeah, I think he's used it too, right? So, Well, I mean, but... everyone's using the internet, right? So, I mean, and, you know, with the internet, it comes with, I think you and I need to have a discussion about the, the expectation of privacy, I guess. Like, that'd be a really interesting uh, topic and... for an episode, but it came up again this past week. Yeah, exactly. And and again, with this poor guy, the reason I see what he's doing on his phone
1: is because the way we... So on the train, I always take the same spot and he always stands in the same spot and I'm always standing kind of like above him looking down. So I see what he's doing on his phone all the time. And I try not to like... I don't read his text or anything. I'm not crazy. But I, I do look at what laptops he's choosing. But that like people on a train kind of like seeing what you're doing on the phone. That's kind of what happens, but you don't expect your weather app to start invading your privacy
0: and tracking where you are. Well, no. And that's, that's, you know, uh, part of the very interesting issue, I guess. Right. So AccuWeather, which is a, an app that you can download has been caught sharing information, users information with other, um, companies. Yeah. And the thing is, is this like most weather apps, um,
1: asks you if you want to allow it to use your weather information in the background. And the whole deal with this is that even if people weren't allowing it, it was using other information based on your Wi-Fi router to send to this third party information about where you were and how you were using its app, if I'm understanding it correctly.
0: That's right. So there's an article that we're going to link to in the show notes, which you're going to hook up on doubledensity.net. And um, so it's from uh, ZDNet and they go through the um, they actually went through uh, and did a little investigation in terms of actually seeing where uh, the app was tracking, even when Wi-Fi was off, et cetera, et cetera, and you know. And so it came to be that yeah, the AccuWeather app was collecting info even when you told it not to.
1: Yeah, and they kind of gave some roundabout excuse as to why they were doing that and how it's not really an invasion of privacy, but it is, and it's 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 way worse than my jokey. A $500 laptop looking at the guy's thing this is tracking literally where people are going and what they're doing so that they can better kind of target ads towards people and
0: that's really crummy I mean from from my vantage point I've kind of given up on privacy like I've, I've totally accepted that anyone will try and collect anything and everything about me they can at all times right so like I like honestly like who wants my blood like I'm pretty much ready to hand out vials of needy at this point
1: <laughs> yeah I'm 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 relatively careful with what apps I give my location settings to. I really only trust Apple cuz they're the best. Uh but no, I uh, I know I I trust Apple. Google's not too bad. I mean, they're sort of I mean that's their bread and butter is getting my my actual data. I don't really grant much permissions in terms of uh location but it's less for privacy and more because I don't want the battery on my phone dying so fast. I find a lot of these apps are not very uh, judicious of when they use your background locations and it kind of kills your battery more than anything else. I really don't care where people know where I am. I'm in the same office eight hours a day and then I I don't really go that far away from my house most of the time. So
0: I'm not exactly hard to find. And if but... anyone wants to know which office that is, you can go ahead and tweet at me at Brian Hasty and I'll be glad to let you know where he's at. Oh, great. <laughs> but yeah, I've kind of like, I, I definitely agree with you that like the biggest concern for me isn't privacy, but battery drainage. And I noticed that both with my Android as well as my Apple um, devices that I tend to go back and like eliminate um, them allowing it to sort of track me um, in the background when the app isn't actively running because I I do see the drain happen, right? I look at my phone, it's at 97%. Then I turn around an hour later, it's at 78%. I wonder what's happening. You know, what's funny about
1: me is I had to turn off the percentage on my phone because it used to drive me crazy when I'd see it going down too fast. Uh, yeah, I've gone into location services on my phone and turned off a lot of stuff, but less for privacy and more just because it kills your battery. So the only really... I, I don't mind granting Apple permission for that because it's their own OS and they're really good about making sure the battery uh, doesn't drain too much. But there's still a few system level things that I turn off because they're still battery killers. One of the weird ones, and this was the case a few years ago, so I don't know if it's still the case, but the automatic time zone changes on your
0: iPhone, go turn that off. It really kills your battery. You might notice a difference if you turn that off. So this is a hot tip from Angela. If you're using an Apple device this week, turn off automatic time zones. Yeah, it's in uh, it's in your privacy settings, under location settings, under
1: system settings. It's there. If anybody has any questions, you know where to find me.
0: Yeah, or if you want to find out where he is physically, I even have his home address, so let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Great. There's no expectation of privacy uh, from you to me, I guess. Yeah, and you know what's not going to be coming to my home address? Uh, there are a lot of things that aren't coming to your home address, but I have a feeling you're talking about a certain... Uh, portable uh, sized system that is a follow-up to our episode last week the super nes classic
1: not going to be available in quebec as of the time of this recording
0: well uh, for different reasons but i feel like like just naturally nintendo has botched the super nes classic pre-order in general right like they botched (laughs) the nes classic and now they're here destroying um the sequel to it and i don't really get their marketing strategy in terms of making it scarce i really don't get it if the demand is there why not make more money right Nintendo has the old school mentality
1: from the '80s that if you kind of have a lack of uh, supply, demand will go up. But you're just annoying people now in the 21st century with that. It's not the '80s where people would have to like rush to different stores, and now people just sit at home and go on Amazon. And if your stock's not there on Amazon, they're just gonna get annoyed with you. If
0: you you, I really think Nintendo does this on purpose. I definitely think so, too. I mean, look at to the, the dawn of the NES, right? So um, it, they also did that sort of thing as a, as a measure of quality control, right? So if you're a company and you applied to be a licensee of Nintendo, you're only allowed six games a year due to quality control issues. Uh, whereas in the 21st century, it doesn't really matter all that much. The internet exists. You know, you can download things at the speed of light. And so I feel like they're just... I, I really don't understand it. Once again, I, I I do think that you're right that like they're stuck in this third-year-old mentality where if you know there's a scarcity of product that people will chase it down, but I think people will just get annoyed. And I think that are also a lot of um, unofficial alternatives that exist out there too.
1: Yeah, there there definitely are, and those aren't governed by the weird Quebec language laws. And I'm the whole thing with the language. I'm not even sure why this never happens with Nintendo. Nintendo is one of the best. Um, companies when it comes to making sure their things are available in both official languages of Canada and they dropped the ball on this one and I think what happened is that two of the games are available in French elsewhere but not in North America because that's the only way to run afoul of this rule if I'm understanding it correctly you have to because if something's only available in English in the whole world and not available in French anywhere else I think it would have been fine but I think these two other games are available in French somewhere else Correct me if I'm wrong. You know where to find me. Uh, but I'm enjoying I, this theme. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know I don't know what happened there. But you alluded to something else. And this whole fracas with the Super Nintendo Classic not being available has prompted me to look into something called Retro Pi. And I ordered a Raspberry Pi 3 this week. I bought, ordered a little kit. And I'm going to try and set that up as part of a little project to do... Uh, I think my my daughter was super interested when I told her I ordered this little tiny supercomputer. Well, it's not really a supercomputer, but compared to what we used to get in a package that tiny, and the fact that you can pretty much put any old video game on there. Of course, it has to be a video game you previously owned uh, for it to be legal. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, Uh, But yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting this Raspberry Pi working. Uh, I'm going to link to an article I've been uh, looking at from Ars Technica about... um, them one upping the the NES classic edition. I think this was before the uh Super NES classic was announced. And it really seems like it's not super complicated if you have a little bit of tech know-how. I think I'll be fine. Uh you kind of have to get into the weeds with it a little sometimes. I'll I'll be trying to get some old DualShock 3 from my PS3 controllers to work,
0: and I think it should be a lot of fun. So I know for a fact that several of our listeners actually do have a RetroPie uh, up and working, they use it on a regular basis. So congrats on uh joining their um side of things. I think it's something that's very interesting. I'm I'm actually debating it myself too, because I there's no way I'm getting a Super NES classic, no matter how much I'm going to search. You know, I'm not willing to spend hundreds upon hundreds of dollars for a copy no, of this, right? Not so worth it's, it. At it's all. not worth it, you know.
1: And you know, if Nintendo made it easy to get. I would buy one of those. Not even think. I, I would never even thought about buying a RetroPie, absolutely, uh, or a, a Raspberry Pi. I would never even thought about it. But now, because of this, I'm sorry, Nintendo. I'm gonna probably be going and get a RetroPie, and I won't be able to get all the games on there because I didn't
0: own them all. But I did own some of them, and I don't mind putting on, them on there and to play them. So, also, like in a, in a theoretical kind of world, right? So the biggest selling point, I think, for the Super NES is Star Fox Two. Yeah. So I won't even. I won't really be able to. I think there is a repro of that. There Somewhere is a repro, at. but it's, um, from what I understand, it's not the complete, complete game. It's like pretty much 95% done, but I'm pretty sure that someone's going to find a way of breaking in and taking uh, the ROM out, and within 12 hours of the Super NES class being <laughs> out, it's going to be online everywhere for people to have. Not you and I, because we are lawful people, but yes. uh, less scrupulous individuals will definitely uh, find a way to play the completed version of Star Fox 2. It's interesting, because
1: the the reason I know there's a repro of that is because I saw it a while ago, when I was going through the, the back catalog of uh, Gamesack videos, and they had actually covered it on one of their episodes, and um, that uh, that same YouTube channel, Gamesack, this week, uh, sort of made me sad, <laughs> and not not through any fault their own. They put out a really great video of uh, old video gaming mags, uh, but it made me realize I have no idea where my collection ended up, and I think... I may have authorized the destruction. I love
0: that wording, by the way.
1: Yeah, well, because my dad, I was asking my dad, and my my parents are are not uh, young. Like My dad's in his 80s, and he was saying, I'm pretty sure you let me throw them all out. And then this weekend, he wasn't sure anymore, so he's going to look and see if he can find them. I honestly thought I'd brought them all back here. And I'm worried that in some sort of weird purging of of the home uh, mood I got into, I just chucked them all into the recycling bin. And that would make me sad because those magazines, I probably thought, you know what, I can find scans of them on the internet. I don't need all this paper lying around the house. But now I'm really sad because I saw how happy um, Dave and Joe were looking at their (laughs) old magazines on that episode of Game Sack. And I wish I could do that because they had all the ones they had, I've had. I had them somewhere
0: and it made me sad. I was very amused by the mental image. I was, I was imagining this sketch in my mind when you were telling this, because you use the words authorized the destruction of, and I was thinking, like, you, you know, like, your mom calls you up and she says, is this a go? And you're like, yeah, mom, like, Operation Pixel Shred is a go, when suddenly, like, it's a montage of burning things uh, in the backyard and maybe, you know, like, like, boxes being double-taped to make sure that they end up in the trash together.
1: You're just making me more and more sad about this whole situation <laughs> because I, I really wish I had them. I only have a couple. I have one that you brought me, which is an old uh, Nintendo Power I didn't have, and um, then there's this old video games uh, and computer entertainment magazine I have with, of all things on the cover, Krusty the Clown. Oh, was it Krusty's Funhouse? No, I think they were talking about a a port of the Simpsons arcade game to the PC. Oh, so good. So good. So, but I'd have to look into and see exactly what that is. I'll take a picture and maybe put it on Instagram
0: account, but... It, it did make me sad. So stay tuned in the coming weeks, I guess, right? As your, as your video game magazine odyssey continues. And we'll, we'll, you know, I'll check in with you. Um, and speaking of that, uh, Siri Watch 2017 has come to an end. We're not going to be checking with Angela again. It seems like everything has gone quiet. We're, we're taking down the wire as it were. Well, we'll, we'll see what
1: happens with iOS 11 because uh, apparently her voice is going to be different. I've heard a few examples of it and she sounds more lifelike, which makes it more creepy.
0: So we'll see what happens. So stay tuned here on Double Density as we uh, conclude siri Watch 2017, but begin the search for Operation Pixel Shred. Next week on Double Density, Bob the Printer reveals all. Welcome back to Double Density as always we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal and this week We have a couple of things we want to talk about but uh, first on the docket is if you hit up double density.net and click on the blog I have a short article um, that I originally outlined in episode 16, which is four ways to improve uh, The way in which you capture UFO videos And I think it's a very important read for anyone who's going to wander around outside and I do feel like with last week's eclipse. Um, A lot of people should have read that article um, in terms of, you know, technique and things like that. What do you think?
1: Well, yeah, I really think that we we should go into the, so I I don't know if we'll actually post this, but I took a picture, a screenshot of,
0: we we definitely should.
1: I took a screenshot of uh, the UFO subreddit, which is a bonkers subreddit. Like I, I subscribed, I'm subscribed to just for fun because it's crazy. There's a lot of, uh, is this a UFO? Is this a UFO? Is this a UFO? No, dude, it's a bug. And the thing is, a lot of people on there are are seem there just to tell people that, no, that's not a UFO. Um, but yeah, I, I took a quick picture and circled it and put it in the show notes of how many on the front page of it were people seeing UFOs during the eclipse.
0: <laughs> so I think, like, like let's agree that stuff is always in the sky, correct, at varying altitudes and degrees and things like that. So we can agree to that, right? Um, pretty sure, yes yeah Uh, i also think that statistically the more people who are looking up the sky the more the higher the number of incidents of quote-unquote things up there get reported right yes so you know what the answer to this is rods rods it's always rods dude (laughs) but yeah i definitely think with more people looking up in the sky it forces more people to question their surroundings because no one ever looks up anymore i don't think right so you know things that look like bugs or like that orb slash worm that you had posted a couple weeks back. Like these are naturally occurring things in nature that you never questioned because you never looked up and suddenly you are forced to stare at the sky and you realize that nature exists above ground.
1: And the other thing is people, I mean, that's not what was caught on these videos or or photos, but people will see other stuff because they're staring at the sun and most of them maybe not even looking through the proper things. They'll just take a quick look at the sun and then look away and then they'll see like spots everywhere.
0: Yeah, well, you win some, you lose some with humanity, right? I feel like that's kind of where I'm at these days with that. <laughs> so, yeah. So I I kind of I kind of thought that that page when I went to look at it, I said, "Oh, Brian's going to get a kick out of this." And I thought the listeners were too. But I mean, like with all these reports, right? The the other obvious question of like if that's the, if this is indeed a bunch of aliens, then who was telephone, right? Oh man, who was phoned? <laughs> um, but let's dive into the meat of this episode in terms of paranormal, right? So I mean, rods orbs um you know eclipses ufos things like that kind of yeah whatever but,
1: but yeah.
0: Uh, we want to talk about something a little more substantive in terms of
1: evidence right so yeah so i um i gained a few listeners on the Paracast forums and i had mentioned to one of them uh, in a in a private conversation that we're going to be doing episode 18 uh, which ended up not happening uh, and became a a bonus episode but no, a classic episode. A classic essay. One from The Vaults. There you uh, go. And he had suggested, well, it's episode 18. Why don't you do it about Hangar 18? And and the, the suggestion came from uh, Marduk, which I, I actually asked him today. I'm like, how do you pronounce your your name? And he's like, I'm not sure. I actually read that because it's not his real name, obviously. Uh, so I, I said, oh, I'll say Marduk. And he, he suggested it. And um, I also want to thank him for the review that he gave us on uh, on iTunes. He's... um. He's uh, he's also Canadian like us, and that's why I was able to see his review quickly on the uh, Canadian uh, iTunes. Uh,
0: but um, yeah, so feel free feel free to hit us up on the iTunes store and leave us a review too, please. We'd love that.
1: You, you know what? And and if you if you review us, we'll be happy to mention on the show. So thank you, Marduk, for reviewing us in the iTunes store. And the only annoying thing with the reviews is that we have to go to like each store. Uh, well, store, Apple podcast web page that we have individually. So I have to go in and remove CA and put in US to check the US store. Um, so far, there's only one from the US, which is for our friends
0: at the Not Alone podcast, which I thank them all the time. That's a great show. Go listen. So a big thanks to Marduk, not only for leaving us an iTunes review, but also for suggesting this week's uh, main topic, which is Hangar 18, right? So Hangar 18, which is located at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, uh, northeast of Dayton, Ohio. So... Uh, wright Patterson is where my parents fell in love. They got married, and they made me. You can call me Starseed 2.0. Is that all true? No, none of that uh. is true. I just I, I felt like it was a good setup to see how easy it is to make stuff up. For a good, yeah, for a good nickname. Call me Starseed 2.0, dude. Right, Starseed 2.0. <laughs> so, right Patterson, the facility was originally opened towards the tail end of the First World War, just northeast of Dayton, Ohio. The facility's original aim was to train personnel for combat for the war, but as the war ended, its goals were shifted towards research and development. The merging of uh, two fields, so the field of uh, Wilbur Wright, one of the men who, of course, uh, is most famous for um, creating the first uh, flight, I guess, you know, and uh, and patterson in 1948 uh consolidated the space earning the wright patterson moniker right so that's sort of a bit of a quick background and then um specifically uh you know let's set the scene Dayton, in ohio july 1947 as the story goes a series of men opened large hangar doors wide open while accepting a steady convoy of military vehicles purportedly carrying both the wreckage as well as the bodies of aliens from the roswell new mexico crash Various eyewitnesses place the body count to anything from two to over a dozen. Uh, depending on who you listen to, some were alive, some were dead, some were, in some accounts, all were dead. One was alive, some were frozen, not frozen, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right?
1: Yeah, so in uh, this is something I haven't shared with you uh, on the, the show notes. It's some research I had been doing, and I came across somebody called Marion Black Mac Magruder. I don't know if you've ever heard of him.
0: Well, he's, so he's basically like the face of this whole incident, right? Like he's the man who on his deathbed was telling, and also throughout uh, his life was telling his sons that he had seen something in 1947, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. I, uh, I'd never heard of this guy. So you're, I
1: I know, you know, you know a lot more about this stuff than I do in in, in many ways, but I hadn't heard about this guy and it was, the story was kind of interesting, but I'm, I'm left wondering, did he make this all up? Did he kind of want to mess with his kids just before he died? Or did his kids make it all up for like, you know, the fame, quote unquote? Wouldn't <laughs> It's 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 a very strange story of how he saw these greys in this Air Force base. And he said there was one alive. That's, that's what he had said. And that uh, he kept repeating at one point that we killed it. We killed it.
0: Which is really chilling. If I remember correctly from the articles I was reading that, you know, he... Uh felt great sadness over that. Yeah, it, it haunted him. And
1: um, something else that's interesting is he said the, the Roswell debris and aliens were actually sent to Elgin Air Force Base at a certain point. They're not in the, uh, the so-called Hangar 18. And it's interesting because Elgin Air Force Base is near uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida. That's which right. Is, Another yeah.
0: purported hotspot of things, um, top secret.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. And he continues in his UFO... Uh, life being part of the July 1952 Washington DC UFO event, which is a relatively well-known UFO flap that happened
0: over the capital of the United States. So I think July is a very important uh, month uh, for, you know, Black Mac McGruber, right? Because 1947 to 1952, he has these two um, purportedly life-changing incidents happen. 1947, he's part of his uh, war college. They go out there um, because uh, at that time, the U.S. government was trying to figure out whether or not they were planning on disclosing what they had found, right? And they were kind of using um, this military personnel as guinea pigs. And it's interesting that they do this to a poor bunch of students, just kind of mess with them like that. yeah. <laughs> oh hey take a look at this and then it's like hey look there's aliens um so in mind doing research too um so i was really fascinated by the name hangar 18 right like i think it's a really cool name but where does it come from is it an actual space you know so I started diving in and I found a, a Daily Chaos article that we're going to link to in the show notes. Um, and so it turns out there's probably not even a Hangar 18, but there's, there was a building in the 50s at Wright Patterson called Building 18 um, that housed a cryolab where research was done on stuff like liquid oxygen, right? So I feel like um, there was a basis there uh, for Hangar 18 from Building 18, especially with people saying, oh, we froze alien bodies for research, et cetera, et cetera, like as the lore goes.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's such an interesting way these things all kind of get blended together and melded together and who knows what's what. It's it, Nobody really knows what it happened. This is all like 70, 80 years ago almost at this point and the memories have all faded. A lot of the people who were involved, they're all dead. So we're left with these sort of myths at
0: this point and it's all becoming part of the same UFO myth. Right. And I think it's a, it's a very tidy myth. Right. You know, it goes from the Roswell crash with debris and all these aliens to um, I often think of Wright Patterson as sort of like a sister to Area 51 in that, like, these are both areas uh, where future tech gets worked out. Right. So during the Cold War, both places were working on different um, projects um, to reverse engineer um, different things. Um, uh, the big difference being, of course, that in the eyes of the government, Area 51 doesn't exist, whereas Wright-Patterson definitely exists and is a functional um, space where over 25,000 people are congregated to work. That's, it's, a hu- it's crazy how enormous
1: these bases are. And in my mind, they always kind of get melded together, even though they're far apart. Uh, it's, it, it sounds like it's just one big army
0: base, but Area 51, is the government still pretending that it doesn't exist? Uh, as far as i know it doesn't exist and i mean it's also not a military facility necessarily i mean it is a governmental facility so there's a difference there like th- i think the cia started it right yeah but i do feel like both have d- very similar aims in terms of, of research and, and tech right
1: yeah they both so do people see ufos flying around Wright uh, right patterson as often as they see them flying around area 51 or is one more active than the other
0: I feel like in everything that I've read, Area 51 is definitely the way more active um, space in terms of uh, aerospace advances and weird things that you can't explain. Whereas Wright Patterson, it's almost like a treasure chest of locked up little green men. So, are you
1: telling me Independence Day, the movie, lied? and that <laughs> The documentary Independence Day is
0: not factual.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Because they, they, they showed uh, Will Smith going to Area 51 to fight the aliens. Well, and you them know, to Earth.
0: if you want to believe it in that way, you definitely can
1: So, uh, the so in the lore of Roswell, the aliens crashed in, in the in the on the ranch. Well, no, the weather quickly, balloon crashed.
0: Okay. Got brought <laughs> to the uh, were they ever brought to Area 51? As no. far as, no, the, like the, the chain goes that they, they loaded up a bunch of trucks with all of the debris from Roswell, New Mexico to Dayton, Ohio. Okay, so that went
1: straight to, to Wright-Patterson, but the, the, the technology they reverse engineered
0: got sent to Area 51 for testing. Yeah, that's right. So that's, that's the story. And the okay. funny thing, too, is if you consider this, right, so I did a quick research today, like um, uh, that's 1,300 miles in between the two. They're that far apart. Wow. Yeah yeah so if you really consider that like those trucks were on route for several days with aliens in In the back yeah in the trunk i just love the idea that like you know there's like a tarp that like (laughs) houses a complete saucer that's just you know driving through the 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 midwestern states all like going northeast a little gust of wind stopping from town to town the military men stopping yeah. for lunch at a diner eating with the ufo right there this is like an alien stuck in the back seat like knocking on the window Just pissed off seat belt on but yeah i mean it, it is a very long journey from point a to point b and um so i, I definitely do think that like you know like mcgruber is the biggest um face i think of the story right because on his deathbed and before that he's telling his kids like we we saw something they're trying to debate whether or not there was disclosure and then in 1952 he gets called out you know he's in washington and um, he's in one of the radar towers and they're asking him, you know, what did you, what do you think this is? I just
1: find it odd that they would have brought like, well, how old was he when they brought him in to see the, the alien at Wright Patterson? He was young, right? They were all students. And to me, that makes no sense unless they're trying to, uh, it's possible that what he saw wasn't even aliens. It was, it was them testing it out to see how people would be affected if this actually happened. Right. I mean, he wasn't that young, right? Because he was a lieutenant by that time. Oh, okay. So, I mean, he was a little older. But still, uh, n- they weren't really high ups in the military. They're just all of a sudden given clearance to see these aliens. It, it, it It's it's quite odd. Let's let's just put it that way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, do you believe that there's actually something there, though? No. I, I know the answer to this one already, so I'm just going to go ahead and just let this... Linger.
1: Yeah, I already said no. <laughs> it's it's just it's so <laughs> far fetched that they would have any of this stuff, and and to think that we're not smart enough to build what we've built uh, since then. But I, I look so right now. I'm reading a book about Area 51 that you so graciously let me, and it's it's extraordinarily interest, but it, interesting, but extraordinarily realistic at the same time. Um, it's it's not. What a lot of people think is there uh, and what the technology we're actually testing is, it's more things that we've made that are far beyond what's commercially available for people to use in their everyday lives, but is important to keep secret. It's not
0: necessarily something from another planet or from another dimension. Well, I mean, like the usual rule of thumb is that we're 10 years behind whatever the military has. In terms yeah, of I will,
1: I I always thought that kind of like faded away once like companies like Apple and Google took over a lot of the technology in terms of consumer technology. Yeah, but
0: who's to say they don't have anything uh, hidden away in government budgets too, right? Yeah,
1: there's like there's always those black budgets covering certain things, and I guess all the brilliant engineers don't go to Google; they go to they go to the military, the uh, um,
0: the NSA and the CIA. But who knows? And I think too, like, I think that the point that you were making before, like, how can we keep this quiet over 70 years, right? Is kind of really interesting. And I think, um, the, uh, the believers fever dream that is propagated in things like the movie independence day or the X-files, right? Is that this idea that there is something out there everywhere that were being lied about you know and i think that like it's a very interesting narrative it's it's definitely not a real narrative um when you start accounting for how many people were involved in all these different things and how it's surprising that no evidence uh, has been brought forward otherwise you know
1: well they can point to somebody like magruder and say well look no it hasn't been kept quiet he talked about it to his kids as he was dying but again
0: so there, there's two different things here that People would say, well, why would he lie? Well, let me put it this way. Right? Like, I, I kind of want to throw this idea out to, you know, I want you to think about it for a sec, right? So MKUltra, the CIA in 1950s, but who's to say that he wasn't part of a, a precursor to that, you know, in terms of um, different ways uh, in which the mind is uh, molded, I guess, you know, being a military man, he has a, a duty to take part in these different things, right? So who's to say that he, you know, wasn't made to believe these things? In in a in a way that's sort of like a social experiment, and that's why maybe they they expose them to students to say, look, this
1: is what what we have, and and they just wanted to see how, mili- the military would react as if it ever did happen, because we have to remember in 1947, they were worried about these UFOs, they were wondering what these things were, and it took them a while to figure out it was actually nothing. But I don't, I'm not sure if it was nothing. Who knows? But. At this point, they were testing and seeing how people would react. And one of the things that, that, um, that I found interesting is that um, he would always make comments when people would say things about UFOs or little green men. He would say they weren't green, and that's not how they looked when seeing a typical gray alien. So that's the other thing that's interesting is the aliens he saw don't look like the typical gray aliens that uh, abduct- abductees tend to see. So what's up with that? And he also said that they knew of two aliens. There were greens and grays. One nice, one not so nice. And he, and
0: that they were considered hostile. I'm not quite sure which ones. I do think like, yeah, I, I, you know, and this is just me theorizing, right? But I definitely do believe that there is some kind of ev- like element there of him um, being subjected to something that wasn't necessarily extraterrestrial, but just, you know, more social conditioning, as I was saying before. So I definitely do think like I, if I were to have to sort of, um, suggest what's going on there. I definitely do think it was more so um, the students being preyed upon by the military industrial complex and not necessarily them actually seeing something from the skies. I would definitely agree with that.
1: Um, and it's just interesting that he was part of two big UFO uh, quote unquote coverups with uh, the Roswell thing. And later on the Washington DC UFO event, which I think we'll eventually want to cover in more, uh, more in
0: depth, I think because it's, um, that's an interesting one. I also think like, we have a growing list of, of things that we would like to talk about. And I think that hangar 18 was a really interesting one. And in all my research, I mean, like the thing is that like, it, it, in terms of eyewitnesses, it's, it's sort of a little scarce. Um, I haven't been able to find much um, beyond, you know, people saying that there was stuff at Roswell and it was sent to Wright-Patterson at one point, you know, post-accident um, but in terms of like it actually still functionally being there, there's not much that you can actually find uh, in, in the ensuing decades. And what would they have done with it? I mean, uh,
1: and, and uh, there's Bob Lazar also who talks about. Uh, the technology they gained. And he said he's he was a whistleblower, but we've talked about him before. He, he might have just been a janitor there. We
0: have no idea. <laughs> um, I, If I can, I'll, I'll find a link to um, one of his self-produced documentaries about um, reverse engineering stuff at S4, uh, which I thought was funny, but, you know, whatever, teach their own. Um, so uh, just as a side note, Hang teen, great song by Megadeth, right? All about the mysteries inside of the hangar itself. So I think that like as a, a fun little um a byproduct of this lore i think it's 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 great um it's off the rust and peace album and uh, you should go listen to it because it's grammy nominated also um was mentioning that uh, he had seen the 1980 movie hanger 18 starring uh, darren McGavin and one of my faves of all time robert vaughn i don't know if you know who he is but man i don't know who he is what a jaw what what a jaw <laughs> He was in The Magnificent 7. He was uh in Superman 3. He was in Bullet. He he was in Basketball? Really? Yeah, he plays like the evil bad guy. Oh wow. The evil bad guy, not the good bad yeah, guy. Yeah, sorry. No, yes. The yes, the bad guy, bad guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've never seen that movie and I I didn't get a chance to check out the trailer, but uh, from all accounts it's it's really dated at this point
0: and kind of makes no sense. Well, I mean just like the Philadelphia experiment movie, right? Which is another thing that we may want to touch upon one day soon, but yeah, it's also something that exists out there. I remember seeing that as a kid thinking it was like based on a true story and it really messed me up. Well it is. And we'll dive into your we'll dive into your psyche. Uh you know, we may make a an alien cinema episode based on that too. On my psyche or on that episode <laughs> on that movie. Oh, both. Well, here oh. what we'll do is we'll we'll stitch together home videos of yourself and maybe insert little green men everywhere and we'll see where it goes they're green and they're gray and they don't look like anything like you see on TV (laughs) (laughs) so Angela this has been episode 19 of the Double Density Podcast tune in next week as we delve into MySpace is it the best dating site ever or just another place for shoddy HTML to exist you can check us out on our brand new website at doubledensity.net you can also find us on Twitter at double underscore density facebook.com slash double density podcast and double density podcast on Instagram you have any parting words? i think this was an interesting episode i hope people enjoyed our
1: talks about our new website please go check it out let us know how you feel um something we didn't mention is actually a contact page on that website and with that you put your information write us a message it comes right to our email address
0: and uh we'll be happy to answer you uh with any of your uh, concerns or queries or hey if you're looking to sponsor our podcast we're always willing to uh, accept your money yeah of course so I'm going to toss that out there because I'm shameless like that yeah we have our own website now so we're totally legit we're big time capital B capital T so Angelo until next week I'll see you around see ya goodbye bye